0: they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino's home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com
1: and live the Chumba life. No
2: purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
3: When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can seem intense. Like, breakup R&B Intense.
2: I thought you said you love a sweater
3: that I got you. If you didn't, you could have told me. Geico makes it easy. Just go to geico.com anytime to update or check your policy. Without all the extra drama. I even had a gift receipt.
2: big.
0: Radio show. It's July 31st, the last show of the month of July in the year 2016. I can't believe how fast it, I keep saying that every week, but it does. It goes by faster and faster, I think, the older that you get. Uh, but right there, some Attacker with Slayer's Blade. And if you're a fan of the band, they will be adding that song back into the set next year. Uh it was pretty cool Friday night getting to hang out with Mike Sabatini, the drummer from Attack. I haven't seen Mike in a little while. We got to catch up and, uh, and treat the sad on what's going on with the band. I won't I won't mention anything or give anything away because the band has a lot of announcements coming up, and Mike will be on the show in a couple of weeks, uh, sometime in the middle of September. We're going to debut some new music off the upcoming record and just chit-chat, and I think Mike is going to sit in as the co-host for the whole show, so we'll have a good time playing a lot of attacking music that night. But me and Mike met up at the St. Vitus Bar in Brooklyn uh, Friday night to see Ruthless, Uh, The band's first time coming here to the East Coast, playing in Brooklyn at the St. Vibes Bar, they killed it, man. They sounded so good Friday night. It was a shame. It was a really, really light crowd. Uh, You know, we had some bad weather in the morning, but it's getting harder and harder for bands in the 80s, uh, like the cult bands, like draw crowds, like when they come from different places. Uh, There were 12 other bands on the bill that, I mean, they weren't bad, uh, but they weren't in the same vein or genre as Ruthless, you know, and they had two different audiences, Uh, You know, last time I saw a real classic 80s show like that, they had Viking on the bill with Wrath, Attacker was on the bill, Hellstar was on the bill, and Heretic came in from California. And the place was mobbed. That's the only way you're going to do it. I mean, a few weeks ago, Killin' played another band who had gotten back together just recently, uh, you know, from the 80s, another cult band, and it was about the same size crowd. You know, and of course, you know, it's the middle of the summer. It's a Friday night. You know, if anybody comes from the New York area, you don't want to deal with that BQE on Friday. Night, I mean, I was cursing up the storm going and even more trying to get home at the end of the night. I swore I would never leave Staten Island ever again (laughs) after that show. There was so much traffic. I mean, you know, when you look at the thing, you say, well, it's only 19 miles away. It takes you three hours to get there. You get kind of pissed off, you know, but Ruthless does sound great. Hopefully they'll come back again soon. They'll put them on a better bill. Uh, with more bands in the same type of, you know, genre of music as them. And, but they did kill it. And Sammy sounded fucking amazing. I got to tell you, that guy's voice is just as strong now as it was back then. They did a really nice mix of, like, you know, the first two records and stuff off the last record, They Rise. I mean, every every to me, every song of that record, They Rise, is like a classic in the making. I mean, they really nailed that album. And they're working on some new material. The new lineup he has sounds really good. They were pretty tight. You know, so I'm looking forward to new music by those guys And I want to thank Sammy for all the swag He threw my way that night, we had a pretty good time Alright, next up, how about Some Mark Vandenberg, Mark sent me This new song he wrote like a month ago And I have not been able to get it on because of Uploading issues, it's finally been worked out We, we, we figured out the problem I got it here now for everybody Here's a song called Infinite, Mark is a great guitar player Check it out every tiger with metal any anyone wanted to hear that i know you want the rap skiller too but i think i did one better i got them on the show for you next week and you already know that so we'll save the music from that band until uh next sunday night when they come on the show and uh we said right before that mark vandenberg new song infinite check mark out on facebook he's a great guitar player heavily influenced by Zay mountstein and a lot of his music is in that kind of. We kind of jumped ahead of ourselves when we started today's show, talking about Attacker and uh, Ruthless. I forgot to tell you who's on today's show. Simon Wright from Dio and Dio Disciples now, and ACDC and A to Z. Titan and many other bands throughout the years is also playing with Helion right now. And uh, Jeff Tate's band, Operation Mind Crime. And uh, right after that, some local New York cult underground legends. Joey, the Imperio, and Terry Brennan from Lady Killer will be on the show in the second half. So stick around. we got a great one for everybody tonight. All right. You know, the Ozzy drama continues. You know, he goes on. I think he was on, like, Good Morning America or, or the Today Show, one of those programs, talking about how he's you know, trying to win over Sharon again. And he made some comment that she didn't like. And she says, you know, she's going to make him pay like the dog he is. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I can get him wanting to cheat on her. <laughs> she's just a fucking cunt Excuse my language, I don't usually use that word I really hate her, I feel like she's just like As big, as, as big and as popular as she made him She kind of tore down his image like to that, you know, that, The one that I grew up with Loving that Ozzy from Sabbath That Ozzy from the early days It's just not there anymore, she made a buffoon out of him She made him like a TV buffoon that's all I can say about that. And this thing is going to go back and forth. And with those two, you never know if it's just publicity to promote something. Because as soon as that happened, Ozfest was announced. Then they fight about this. And then, you know, a new record is being talked about. So it's always like every time something happens with those two that's very public, it seems like it's right around an announcement time for something else. So you never know if it's real or not with them. Uh, so I, I, you know, I don't know what to say about that. Uh, Buck Cherry, a band I despise and hate with my life's blood. Uh, I don't know why all the the metal newsies pick up on this band. Eddie Trunk has them on the show like on a regular basis where he's always praising them. Uh, they're talking about how like you know rock is not fun anymore now. They're doing like electronic hip hop, so I wonder if Eddie's going to feature them on you know that metal show and on his radio show now that they're an electronic funk hip hop band. You know, I never I never got it how like they focus on bands like that. They're not metal. They're not even hard rock. I mean, they're barely even rock, mo- you know, <laughs> even at, the, the, at the hardest, they're barely even a rock band, but like these, these, you know, these metal sites focus so much on them, and other bands in the same vein, and I, and I just don't get it, there's so many more deserving bands that need time and attention and things that like they should be talking about, not crap like fucking Buck Cherry. excuse my language. All right, let's get some music on here. How about we do, I don't know, what kind of, how about we do some uh, John Oliver's pain? You know, it was just announced a few days ago, you saw John Oliver had a stroke. I don't know how severe it was. I think they said it was back in April or May, and then he's getting over it. And, uh, Tommy and I caught him at Dingbats in New Jersey. I want to say it was two years ago. It might have been a little longer. He was, when when his, when his solo record came out, he was doing like an acoustic show. It was just him on the piano and uh, somebody else on like acoustic guitar, and they kind of went like, through his catalog of music. I really wish they would have focused a little bit more on the sabotage, because that's what I wanted to hear. What they did do was a later-era sabotage. They didn't really do anything from the earlier years. Uh, but you can see how big he had gotten. Uh, he was having like he was struggling to try to make it through the set, it seemed. had to keep slowing things down a little bit. The man's an amazing musician, but, you know, he's let himself go over the years. I know that rock and roll lifestyle back in the day could kind of take a lot of people down. I know there's a lot of drugs and booze involved in it, but he's also getting extremely heavy, and uh, that puts a lot of other problems on him. So hopefully this is a wake-up call. John will get healthy, get back out there, and keep writing new music. We're looking forward to hearing that. But here you go. Time to die. Z with no fun after midnight a band that Simon Wright played in way back in his earlier He had to be a teenager back then because I think when he joined AC/DC he was around 19 or 20 years old and This was a couple of years before that So uh, let's get uh, Sam Wright on the line, get this interview going Just bear with me a minute Simon, this is Mike, how are you?
1: Hello Mike, how are you? I'm fine thanks
0: I- I'm doing great today, how about yourself?
1: Yeah, pretty good, thanks.
0: Uh it's it's great to hear from you. Hey listen, this is a pretty busy year for you. I mean with the release of the D.O. box set, uh the new operation Minecrime I believe is coming out this fall, things are looking pretty good.
1: Yeah, you're right. It's gonna be a busy year. Um, I think we start touring we don't start touring till next year with the Minecrime, but yeah, it's it's all doing good. Uh that's I great. complain.
0: <laughs> I know it, it, it's a crazy business, right? So when you're busy, that is a good thing in, in the music world.
1: Absolutely, you said it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: but you know what I'm excited about is you know, I'm a fan from day one, and I remember when you were in Titan, and then went over to ACDC, and I was happy when you joined up with Deal. You know, in the late '80s, early '90s, but a lot of those records, you know, I had to get on CD back then. Now they're coming out with this box set on vinyl, and to me, that's like a great thing to have the vinyl of those albums that you couldn't get on vinyl back in the day
1: yeah it, it it seems to be vinyl seems to be the way to go a lot of people like the sound uh, some people prefer the sound to cds and stuff but it seems to be um kind of coming back in a new kind of way you know uh yeah those albums sounded great i had them on album when i was a, a youngster <laughs> yeah so uh yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah so good
0: yeah, so with that kind of deal coming out now The last record was actually the first one you were on Was Lock Up The Wolves, And that, that was sort of like the end of an era uh, For the D.O. band Because right after that he hooked up with Sabbath again For the Time Machine album and era. Uh But what was it like going into the band at that time?
1: It was, it was good, it was interesting It was a little different Because it was uh, pretty much He'd redone the whole band I mean, um, you know, Jimmy wasn't there And uh, new guitar player obviously And stuff, so you know he had he was he was excited, but he was a little bit kind of like oh this is kind of new, so we gotta you know tread carefully here and make sure it's really good. And I think it came out really good. Uh, we we recorded it in Reno at this great studio called uh, Grant, Grammy's House, and um, you know we all kind of lived there as well, so we were all up and ready to work every day, and it seemed to work out pretty good. Some good songs on there, so you know. Oh
0: yeah. Absolutely. I, I think the album really was underrated when it came out. And, you know, people forget that back in the 70s and 80s, it was difficult when bands replaced members, when lineups changed. It isn't like today where it's more common. People don't really care because they just want to hear the music. They're so happy to have it still out there. It was hard. And it was also the change of, of, of an era. Music was starting to shift at that time in the 90s. You know, the scene was changing. And when Dio came back years later, you know, it was a, Angry Machines was a completely different sounding band to begin with.
1: Oh yeah, it it it. We were dealing with that, I think. You know, I mean, Ronnie really never really kind of hooked onto any trends. He wrote his own songs and stuff like that. You know, he was never. He just did what he did. He just wrote brilliant songs and uh, great melodies and stuff. And and um, he always seemed to have great players around him as well. And I was lucky enough to be included in that. You know, it was a bit of a challenge for me when I when I first joined him, but. Uh, yeah, and Angry Machines was kind of a, 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 a kind of a different style of D.O. and stuff, a lot heavier and all, uh, but I did like that album as well, that one's pretty good as well, you know, uh, it's, it's, and you're right about the climate changing and stuff with, uh, was it grunge coming out and stuff and yeah. everything changing, so you just had to do what you do and try to do it the best that you do it, you know? Yeah,
0: I mean, I mean, as the '90s wore on, you know, Dio got the band back together. You were back again. You were recording Magic and all those other albums, Killing the Dragon, everything started coming out. But like I said, the scene had already collapsed and was starting to rebuild at that time. Being that you were in Dio, and I mean, you guys, you know, it's a brand name and a big band. Was it a little easier for you guys, you know, to work around the waters like to change the scene, or was it just as hard for like a major band like Dio?
1: Well, I don't think um, you know. that the 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 only thing was, I think it. In only certain respects, I mean, it did things change in the event of that new music that came in. But Ronnie was always the same. Wherever we played, you know, there's always that hardcore, um, you know, almost gang-like mentality, which in a good way, um, you know, of people who love heavy rock, love heavy metal and stuff. And, you know, the shows that, that, you know, as far as I can remember, Uh, You know, they they were really good shows They were really well attended and stuff And we just kept on doing You know, Ronnie would just keep doing what he was doing We'd play all those songs and stuff And people would just love it, you know yeah. Well, what you I know. like
0: is, I mean, I think it was about a year or so ago, I was talking with uh, Greg Goldie and he was like, "You know, I've got songs that I've written, you know, from back in the day. And, and I'm going to run them by Wendy and, you know, see about getting them out there and maybe doing it with deal disciples. And then I saw a video a couple of months ago. I think the song was called till the end of time. I don't know if that's the actual name of it or not. Uh, you guys did yeah. it a live show. And I was like, damn, right. this is, this is a, what a song this is. Then I kept saying to myself, I mean, is Dio Disciples going to try to take this into an original direction or incorporate these originals into into the band and, and maybe put an I, album out now?
1: I I think that's the plan. We, we're, we're not kind of rushing into it. We're taking our time, but I think that is one of the plans we've got. Um, and um, hopefully, you know, me and Craig have written a couple together and Scott Warren's coming with some stuff as well. So, you know, we're kind of veering towards that way, but we're we're not rushing it. We're just kind of... Taking it one step at a time, but uh, you know I'm I'm glad you like the song. That's cool. Uh, you know, it's, uh, I absolutely love it. Awesome, thanks, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So hopefully we've got some others too that um, you know we've kind of working on and fine tuning them and stuff, and hopefully they will be not sure when, but hopefully there will be something out in the future. You know, so
0: that would be fantastic. I mean, I remember five or six years ago when Deal Disciples first came around right after Ronnie had passed away. And, I mean, there was, like, a backlash amongst, like, the diehards. Like, no, without Ronnie, it's not this. But Dio was always a band. Me and Ronnie was, you know, the main guy, but it was a band. And I never got, like, people went so nuts over it. But then, you know, for as many that complained about it, there were as many that loved it. And in this day and age, it's just so good to keep hearing the music live by people that were a part of that band. I never really got the whole... Of like people start going nuts with it, because when you look back, Sin Lizzie did it, now Riot are doing it, and more and more bands are doing it now because they want to keep this music alive and and play and be
1: active, yeah, it took a lot of us, it took a lot of thinking about us whether or not we would do it, and a lot of soul searching and scratching our heads going, we've gotta do something, you know, we can't just walk away from this. It's been our lives for the past. You know, well for me, fought like 14 years, and Scott Warren's even longer. Goldie's been there for 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 a long time. Um, you know, but we decided I and mean, we 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 kind of figured there would be some kind of backlash and stuff, so we had to kind of prove ourselves and met, let people understand where we were coming from. It wasn't a cash grab or nothing like that. I mean, we don't make any money. I mean, yeah, everybody knows. You that.
3: know,
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it's it's. Uh, it's difficult to keep a band on the road these days without losing money. I mean, um, you know, we just did it because of our respect and our love and our, you know, a, a work ethic. I've said this a whole bunch of times, but it's a work ethic that Ronnie kind of instilled in us, which is work, work, you know, work, you got to work some more, you know, and work for it, you know? So that left us in good stead. You know, we knew exactly what we kind of had to do. And sometimes it was difficult to do the shows and stuff. Cause a lot of, Places we played would be places that maybe we played with Ronnie, but we just had to get over it and kind of do the job, you know, kind of thing. And out uh, well, of all respect for Ronnie and stuff, you know, it's just like it's something that, you know, when a loved one passes, you don't forget them. You just you keep going and remembering them, you know, and that's just pretty much yeah. as, as simple as it is. It's true.
0: And What I love is that the people that bitch and complain about this, when you're playing live, those people are standing right there on the audience on top of it. (laughs) That's what they always find funny. They complain about it, but they go to the (laughs) show. Not all of them. A lot of them do.
1: Well, some do. You're right. Absolutely. And it's good to see that because, you know, they see that we're genuine and we we really believe in what we're doing and stuff. And uh, it's a total respect. And it's, it's absolutely as simple as that. You know, there's no, you know ulterior motive it's just a dead simple credo that we have kind of you know it's just out of respect yeah.
0: Hey, look, you guys open the doors for a lot of other bands that have lost key members to continue playing that music. And for fans like us who grew up with it to hear it live and for new fans who never got to see Dio live or like I was saying Thin Lizzy. And let me tell you, I don't think it's more than a year away before there's some sort of motorhead band out there with, you know, <laughs> Phil Campbell <laughs> and other guest people coming in and doing it. Because like you said, they dedicated 20 or 30 years of their lives to that band and to just say, well, we lost somebody, it's over. That's kind of hard to
1: do. It, it it is it, it it really is. I I don't know. I'm not sure exactly if uh, you know Mickey and Phil will uh, will deal with that because it is a bit of a strain on you. You know, I mean, even though you you're, you're you know it's a lot of pressure and stuff, and you, you you've got a lot of and you've got to do it right too. You know, you can't just go in there like a you know you know all over the place. You know, I mean, but. If they do it, I'm sure it'll be really well because Mickey's an incredible m- musician and uh, so is Phil, so yeah. that could be on the horizon. I don't know, but it would be good. Yeah, you never know. Uh, you know, some I think back to, like
0: you know the late '70s, early '80s when I first started getting into a lot of the, the bands in England and became a big fan of A to Z. And like I said, then Titan, and you were part of that. And yeah. those like the years where you struggle, like, you know, you're probably in your late teens back then, you know, working around a, a club scene. And the next thing you know, you're playing in arenas with AC/DC. I mean, that's like, yeah. like a dream come true. And you're probably 19 or 20 when you hooked up with ACDC. And it had to be the most incredible experience going from like these small clubs where you're fighting to make a few dollars to now playing in arenas with one of the biggest rock bands in the world
1: oh it's a storybook isn't it you know it's a it's a, a dream come true kind of thing it was you know i mean it was like you know the biggest break anybody could even dream of i suppose um you know and uh it was amazing you know it was an amazing ride i've been through you know done some touring and stuff and everything around england some some in europe and all so i was very young like you said but you know being catapulted like that i mean yeah it was a an amazing break, and those guys were great, you know, they really looked after me and stuff, and, you know, all the chaos and stuff that goes around a, you know, a big touring band like that, you know, it uh, can get a little bit uh, frightening at times, you know, you don't know what the hell's going on, so they were really cool, they kind of stepped up and kept an eye on me and stuff, and, uh, you know, and we had a lot of fun as well, it was pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah, I can um, can only imagine. (laughs) Yeah, I'll never forget it. I mean, I, I can't thank them enough for the break that, like that. You know, I mean, when when I got there, it was it was it was pretty hard work too. You know, it's like two hour, two and a half hour shows, and um, it was pretty pretty grueling at times. But you know, it was uh, yeah. it was good, obviously. You know.
0: Yeah. Was that a good introduction like to the music business? I mean, like the business part of it, where people started telling you, hey, look, you have to watch out for yourself. You got to look out for this. You need to learn this. It's not just getting up on stage and on playing the drums and, and having a good time afterwards. Was that like a great way for a young guy to learn like the actual business of music?
1: It, it, it was. I did learn some stuff from it. Um, although, you know, a lot of it was actually, you know, like getting the car, go to the airport, get on the plane, get in the car, go to the hotel, get in the car, go to the gig. But, you know, there were times when I, you know, would be, you know, around stuff that was going on and I'd, you know, shut the hell up, obviously, because none of it was really my, you know, well, I wouldn't say not my business, but you overheard things and you saw how people dealt with matters that came up and all. And uh, yeah, absolutely. I learned a lot, you know, um, um, especially from Malcolm, Um, unfortunately, he's... um, He's not not very well at the moment, but
2: yeah. you know,
1: um, he was a powerhouse. I mean, he he could you know bring a room to a standstill, you know, and get people thinking. <laughs> you know, it was uh, he's such a down to earth guy, you know, and straight to the point. So. That was yeah. a real learning experience, real learning experience. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure. Well, I mean, you, you, I mean, you've
0: seen what's going on with the band lately, and a lot of people like don't know what to think
1: of it. But let's
0: face it, we all get older. You know, you're know, doing it for 30, 40 years. You know, like I said, Malcolm became very ill. Brian with the hearing problems. Cliff said, you know, it's not the same for me anymore. He's packing in at the end of this tour. I mean, people think that we're going to go on forever, and things are never going to end. But, you know,
1: everything does have to come to an end after a while. Yeah, I guess it does. Um it's kind of a shame it, it 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 did end up like that, you know. It's I think it's always good when a band does a, you know, when a band does a real final tour. Um <laughs> you know, but yeah. um, it, I think that would have been nice to see as opposed to it being all kind of all these emergencies going on and bringing in different people, which had to be done cuz they had the the dates already booked, so they couldn't just stop. They probably could have, but maybe they might have lost money. I don't know. But, yeah. You know. Um, yeah, who knows what's going to happen. But, you know, I wish them well.
2: Yeah.
0: And Keith Richards and Mick Jagger keep going on. Nothing,
1: stopped, <laughs> nothing, <stopped. laughs> nothing right. slows those two
0: guys down. <laughs> I guess That's it's just a right. look yeah. of the draw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: they're going to be going long, long time still, I think. You know, yeah. he's going to stop them. <laughs> yeah
0: not yeah. I just think the end of the world I mean you know what as long as you can keep doing it I mean why would you want to stop
1: yeah I suppose so you know I guess it depends kind of at what stage you're at you know if you can you know sometimes the comforts are are, are, are a little better I guess as you as you get older touring could, uh, you know as, as you probably heard or know it, yeah it can be a bit of a bit of a bit of a a struggle, you know, even if you're in nice accommodations and all the rest of it, you're away from your family for a long time. But I guess if you can keep it going comfortably, I guess that's the way to go, you know. Yeah.
0: Yeah, people have this image of the rock star lifestyle, and and it's not as glamorous as they like to think it is. Like you said, it's jumping on a bus, jumping on a plane, sleeping in a hotel. Moving, you know, you're not sightseeing around Italy and Paris and Germany all the time. <laughs> you're going from stage yeah. to hotel to bus, and it's not as fun as it sounds.
1: Yeah, my girlfriend's father was talking to him the other week, and he said, so basically you, you're, you're – your job is like a paid vacation, and I'm like, ah,
2: really? <laughs> let
1: me tell you. Let me explain to you. You know, so it was like, you know, he said he's going. Oh, really? Oh, oh, oh my God! You know, so yeah. You know, you get you get there like you just said. You know, you you, well, you see pretty much is a hotel room for a couple of hours, play the show, and then leave the next day. You don't get the sightseeing. If you know, if you're lucky, you do get a bit of sightseeing, but usually yeah. not much. <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah it's
0: true sammy <laughs> you still playing with helium is that still going on
1: yeah yeah we just actually yesterday we just finished uh mixing this uh we did a live album um and uh we just finished mixing it and it sounds pretty damn good um so you know i keep that on the go as well we've got some dates that we once we've organized all this uh the album and stuff we're gonna start booking dates in a couple of months for uh the rest of the year and hopefully next year as well, so I'll be out with that as well keep keep every iron in the fire, you know kind of thing
0: yeah, sure you know I saying you've jumped into a lot of bands over the years, a lot of bands you've been with from the beginning. when you jump into an established band, I mean do you try to keep the drums to the way they originally were, or do you try to like throw in a little bit of yourself with each song
1: i I do both of that, yeah you have to rep, you know you have to respect and represent I think. The songs that have already come from that band You know um, There's certain drum fills And drum intros To ser- you know, to say to songs And you have to keep the spirit of that You can't make some of that up and change it You can a little bit But you have to keep the integrity of the drums And the way they go But I do get a chance to throw in my own stuff as well uh, Especially with Ronnie He would always encourage me to do that um, But you know Some bands you just can't mess with You know you, you just gotta follow the follow the rule of the song um and and that's to to me that's fine that shows total respect to that back to that band and the, the way they wrote the music which became popular or whatever and uh in doing that you know that's what the fans want to hear as well they don't want to hear a drummer making a whole new drum pattern out of it you know to me that would be stupid so, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's
0: true. that That is what, you know, the fans do get crazy sometimes when bands offer songs too much, you know, with different members when they come in there. But yeah, you do want to hear a little bit of that drummer because, you know, you want to hear a little bit of that person, that musician's originality, what they do mixed in with what they do. And I'm sure it's a fine line you kind of have to walk it, where
1: you say, all right, I could do this, but maybe not too much of that. It, it, absolutely. You know, you can, you know, there's some parts in some songs where you can go off a bit because there wasn't that much of, a, of stuff going on but you know which is which was like a trademark to the song but there's like little bits and pieces you have to keep you know yeah yeah
0: well now with the new deal box set out i'm pretty sure that there's going to be a second one coming with the rest of the albums uh, is that in the works anytime soon
1: Oh, I don't know about that. Um, yeah, you'd have to talk to Wendy. She's in charge of all that. But uh, hopefully there will be because that's a whole other episode, you know, of stuff. And there were some great albums that, that that got done, you know. Um, Magic of um,
0: Killing the Dragon. I mean, I'm dying to get these on uh, on vinyl.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, the others, Master of the Moon. It's uh, Master of the Moon. You know, it's like uh, there's like two different. Um, you know, eras, if you like. And, um, although I think the second era was a little bit overlooked, I think that had something to do with the musical climate and yeah. the way things were with every band, not just Ronnie's band, you know, a lot of bands were, 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 were feeling a pinch a little bit, you know, uh, fans were still there showing up, obviously, like I said earlier, but, uh, there were certain things that happened that I think changed things for everybody, but that would be great to have all the rest of the albums, all of them. It would be great. I think on vinyl.
0: Yeah. I, I'm hope I know it will yeah. happen. I'm just hoping that happens soon. And you know, you talked about what you called. I mean, the magical. you guys were in like the sessions for the next, the, the follow up to that record, the second part of it. Uh, so there had to have been a lot of songs that were recorded or worked. I don't know if anything was like fully, you know, fleshed out. It was just bits and pieces, but, do you think sometime in the future we might actually get some of those songs that you guys were working on that nobody really heard before?
1: Again, you'd have, you'd, re, you'd really have to. I think Wendy has mentioned it, but we just haven't gotten around to uh, uh, to doing it. I think there were a couple that were, were that were kind of kind of finished. They they they're just demos, so they need to be redone. Or you know, I'm not exactly sure how she wants to deal with it, but I I think at some point they may come out. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, that would be great to hear that stuff. It was not, yeah. I'm not going to keep you much longer, man. I appreciate you talking with me today. I know you got a whole bunch of these things to do. And uh, I no can't problem, wait to see you Mike. guys hit the road with Operation Mind Crime and hopefully healing or work its way over here to the East Coast. It would be great to see you play live again. It's been a little too long for me.
1: That's awesome, Mike. Great talking with you. And thanks for your, for your support, mate. I'll st- talk to you anytime. Anytime, son. You take care. Have a great day. Cheers, brother. Thanks, Mike. Take care.
0: The Great White North Canada cracking with the curse I don't know what's going on with the band I haven't heard much lately I know they were talking about a show uh, a little while back But that was really all Uh, The NWO uh, record came out a couple years ago And it kind of flew under the radar Uh, We had Spike on the show around that time It was about to get released So uh, maybe I'll reach out to him uh, Get an update on the band And I'll get back to you on that next week Uh, I'm looking here I'm seeing that I, I played Leather Angel We Came to Kill But I don't remember hearing it Maybe I kind of skipped over that one uh, jumping into an interview with uh, with Simon I, I'm not even sure if I played it or not uh, If I did I'll I'll get on at the end of the show I'll check back as we uh, we move along In the process over here Well, Joey and Terry, they'll be calling in in about 15 minutes We'll get on a few more tunes between now and then We'll wrap it up This is it for July, we'll be back in August next week I can't believe how quick it comes Randy Davis of Rascal will be on the show next week. And I believe we have the guys from Hellivate. I think the whole band is going to be on. I'm not sure. We were going to take it easy in August, try to keep it the one one band, the show, one interview. Not to overload it like we have been the rest of the year, but looks like we're starting to pick up a few other bands that need stuff to get promoted. So we'll kind of get them all on in the few weeks that we have in August. All right, let me see here. Glenn Danzig, it's bad enough have to suffer through Danzig doing his own music, but now he's going to take on Elvis. He's putting out an album Elvis covers, so be prepared. We'll have to suffer through one more Danzig album. I keep hoping that he would disappear, but that doesn't seem to happen. Now with the Misfits getting back together, who knows what's going to come out of it? Well, at least it's a reunion tour to, to start with. Who knows if anything else is going to come out of it after that? Uh, the Cavalera Brothers are going out there and uh, going to do the whole Roots record, the Simple Tour Roots album. Uh, from start to finish. Uh in, in North America, I believe in September and October they're going out. It might be October, November. Uh they already did this over in uh, over in Europe. Uh and now they're doing it over here. So I don't know if we're gonna wind up in a situation where there's gonna be two simple tours again. They've spoken for years about how they really didn't want anything to kinda of do with that anymore. It was a different entity. It wasn't them. You know, they had their own they Max has got a whole bunch of bands going on. His brother plays with him and a few of them. Uh so I don't know if this is just like one-off for maybe testing the waters to see if they can draw in a bigger crowd than maybe they do with their own bands. I'm not too sure what the point of this is. Uh, but they're going out there and doing the whole Roots record. So if you want to see, you know, uh, two-fourths or two-fifths of uh, the original Sepultura, uh, go and check it out. Rat, the original Rat, as much as, as original could be these days. I mean, Robin's dead. But uh, three of the members, I think Juan, uh, Warren, and uh, Stephen uh, Piercy, kind of got together this past weekend for a party. Uh, Bobby Blotzer was there because he's out on the road with his version of Rat now, and there's been a war between, you know, all of them over that. Bobby was suing Juan for going out there using uh, the Rat logo on his version of Rat. You know, Stephen Pearcy does all his Rat songs as the voice of Rat, or maybe that's Jeff Tate. That's the voice of Queens, right? I even I get confused. There's so many people out there for so many different bands and offshoots of bands doing things. Uh, I'm not too sure. Warren said he didn't want to do any more Rat. If uh, if uh, you know Stephen wasn't singing, he didn't want to be a part of it. And uh, then he sued Bobby. Bobby sued him back. I think it's still in court. I don't know what came out of it. So I don't know if these three are getting together. I know Carlos Cavazo was also there, who played on the last Rat record. So, I don't know if they're all getting together. And going to go out and do Rat again as Rat because Warren still has rights to the name also. And kind of try to bowl, you know, just blow Bobby out of the water with it, figuring, you know, it's three of the five original members compared to just him, the drummer. I don't know what the situation is with that. But uh, there was talk that Warren and Steven were working together on music. So uh, it could happen. You never know. We'll see. Always something interesting in heavy metal, right? All right. Let's get on another tune here. I don't think I did Leather Ranger. We'll get that on a little bit. But uh, Michael Sweet. He's got his first solo record coming out. Uh, I have like this whole new respect for like Striper and Michael Sweet. The last couple of Stripe records were pretty good. I couldn't get into him in the early days with the whole religious thing. It just kind of turned me off. But you know, the last two Stripe records were really solid, and he's been working with a lot of people lately, putting out some great music. This is his first record solo. He's got a lot of people playing on it with him. Uh, here's the first single off that record
3: called Bizarre.
0: Angel, they came to kill. I tried for the last year to get them on the show, Kathy and Terry, uh, but I've had no luck at all. I'm I'm giving up on those two. I think they're on an eternal period the two of them. No matter what you talk to them about or say to them, they just never get back to you. So the hell is it. But more importantly, we have Joey and Terry from Lady Killer, a band that is back together, I believe. We'll find out for sure right now. Guys, you there?
3: We
4: are here, Mike. How you doing? brother? I-
0: I'm doing great. I mean, I mean, just tell me that you guys are back together. That's all I want to know.
4: <laughs> well, not not yet. Not yet. We're, we put out some feelers to talk to some guys uh, ever since we heard from uh, our good buddy uh, Jeremy Golden at Heaven and Hell, uh, who said he wanted to reissue the record. We've been trying to reach out to some of the old guys and see what's going on.
0: uh man, it would be fantastic. I remember seeing you guys back in the day at Lamar. I mean, uh-huh. when I think of Lady Killer, you guys had everything going on for you back then. You had the look, the songs, the stage show. It, it was all there, and, and you guys came about in New York, what was it, like maybe 80, 81 the band got together? Very early on yeah, in, right. in the scene.
4: Yeah, about 81, 82, somewhere right in there, and uh, yeah, we played a lot. We were playing three or four nights a week usually, and uh, uh, yeah, I mean, New York was not exactly a metal uh, haven at the time, and thank God for places like more.
0: It's true. It wasn't known for it. We were like, you know, the disco cap of the world in the late 70s going to the beginning of the 80s. But clubs did start popping up all over the place in Brooklyn and especially in Long Island. You had a few
4: places in the city.
0: But it, isn't it amazing that you guys could play like three or four times a week back then? That would never happen today.
4: Yeah, no, it really couldn't. Uh, and, you know, yeah, we would play some of the same clubs, you know, one or two times a week too. There's Gildersleeves down on 3rd Street in the Bowery, which was a big place and a lot of bands yeah. came through there. Uh, uh, we would do that, and then we go to Lemoore, and then we go to Lemoore East when that happens, and then back to Gildersleeves again. And you know, it was always good because we had a you know a pretty uh, uh, loyal uh, fan base at the time. Yeah,
0: and, and it was a great way to build up your chops and really have the band come together, without having to pay for rehearsal space all the time.
4: Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was true. You know, we, we could we could definitely play a lot, which was great. And you're right, you can't do that nowadays.
0: Yeah, it's a whole different environment. But I think, like you were saying, like 81, 82, I mean, there really wasn't much of a metal scene in in the US at that time. Like, bands like Metallica were coming out of California. We did have a small scene here in New York, but it was mostly over in Europe, the new wave of British heavy metal. Is that what kind of got you guys going, hearing that music from over there?
4: Oh, for sure. Uh, you know our, it, you know the, the first record when we did that record, we we were influenced in so many different places, not the least of which, you know Iron Maiden, Jews Priest, all, all that stuff, and yeah, yeah. but it's the first stuff we really listened to. Yeah.
0: So how did it all come about? Did you guys all know each other before the band was formed? with you friends, or did you kind of find each other out?
4: Well, we kind of, we, we were friends. You know, we, we, I know Terry since, you know, grammar school. I mean, he's the, I've known him the longest of anybody on the planet. Uh, and uh, everybody else really was from the neighborhood, right? You know, the Lower East Side, Stuyvesant Town, Peter Cooper Village, all that fun stuff, guys. Jeff, uh, the great Jeff Stewart down on Grand Street. Um, so, yeah, not too far, like a 20-block radius. Um, and that's what we had to do. You know, this is a long time ago. This was before cell phones and Internet and crazy yeah. stuff like that, <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I mean,
0: back then people go to the Lower East Side today. They think it's like a haven, you know, <laughs> like it's like a hippie oh, haven. I mean, it wasn't like that back to, then.
4: You go to the Lower East Side today. You better have some money on you. Back back yeah. then, you, you didn't want to be carrying any money on you.
0: That's right. I I remember there was a big sign painted on the building that said that this is the low rent district. That's how that whole area was described back
4: then. <laughs> That's right, man. Absolutely right
0: yeah so let's get back so you guys kind of knew each other like you said from school you, you, you met up with the rest of the band how was it getting everything together i mean because the album came out maybe a year or two after you guys kind of formed that wasn't very
4: long yeah. yeah it came out came out quick uh i was in a band called uh, white dragon with uh uh with jeff uh and our drummer time frank um and then when our bass player left uh Terry was, you know, yeah, he, I came down for them and, and uh, he came asked me to try me out he used and to come uh, to the shows and do a little Rodian for us yep. uh, too, uh do some sound for us. And then, you know, he kept saying to me, Joe, man, check me out. I've been playing a long time. Uh, so I, and eventually we just we did it. And, and it was, you know, as, as good as uh, we, we seem to remember it being. And so that, that that's how that all started. Yeah. Did you guys
0: do the record on your own?
4: Uh, no, we were actually signed to uh, Allegiance at the time. Allegiance was a small label out of Los Angeles. Um, they were distributed by Elektra, if I, I think that's okay. right. This is, a lot, this is a while back, so uh, at the time. Um, and, um, yeah, no, we were the contract for two records, actually, uh, in which we were we were recording the second one when the band broke out. Uh, but, again, this is a while back, trying to remember all the dates.
0: Yeah, it, it gets kind of hard trying to think back that far, I know. <laughs> I built remember really <Yeah>. yesterday <laughs> some days, so.
4: <laughs> but we used to have, you know, we were talking about Metallica earlier, you know, and as far as influence is uh, concerned, you know, a quick story. We used to uh run a rehearsal space on thirty eighth Street, uh in East Avenue. It was a uh, big district for music back then and it was a place called Performance Sound Studios. Um and we, we probably I think we rented with one other band, I don't remember the name of the guys on uh-huh. the time. Messenger. Messenger, was it Messenger? Okay, okay. A long time ago. Um, and I remember we both, Terry was with me at the time and we were coming uh, up upstairs in the elevator and the door open and uh, James and uh, Lars were standing there. And so it turned out they were renting a place upstairs from us. Uh, and uh, at, at least, you know, two or three nights a week, you know, whenever we were just rehearsing, they would come down and, you know, pretty much drink our beer and hang out. But they were really, <laughs> really, 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 really great guys. But, you know, who knew, you know, at that point you know, that we'd be gone in 25 minutes and, and they'd, they'd, they'd be around 25 years later, 30 years later. So it was, it was, a Metallica.
0: yeah. It, it's incredible. I mean, I mean, I mean, do you think it's like just the luck of the draw or being in the right place at the right time or having the right people to help you out or back you up? Because you can only go and do so, I mean, it was always a do-it-yourself business for bands in the beginning, but there's a come oh, point yeah. where you have to have somebody to push you to the next level. Like, Is there like a limit where you can only go as far as you can on your own?
4: Well, you you know what, Um, the thing about Metallica, you know, is that those guys would play anywhere and everywhere in front of nobody. Uh, Same with Twisted Sister. We used to go see Twisted out on the island, and they'd be in snowstorms, and it'd be me and Terry and Jeff and um, and four other people, and they'd be playing like there were 2,000 people standing there. And, you know, Metallica is like that. They just work and work and work and work, and you really got to want it. You really do. Um yeah, I mean, it helps to be in the right place at the right time. But, uh, you know, th- they would not be alone around as long as they were if they were, uh, you know, just splash in the pan, obviously. Yeah.
0: Did you guys not want it enough, or it was just that things just things didn't work
4: out? It just didn't happen? Really good question. Really good question. I don't know, Terry. Did we want it enough or not? We wanted it. But I think it was just we were going to create a difference. Yeah. Some guys wanted to go one way. Other guys wanted to go another way. I was – more of like, um, you know, I like like Priest and ACDC. I'm more like really, really heavy, Sabbath stuff. Some guys kind of more like that glam yeah. kind of metal, and that's, I wasn't really yeah. into that. Yeah. yeah, and that's what was happening at the time. It was a lot of you either went to, with Metallica or you went with, uh, you know, jeez, uh, I can't even Iron know. Maiden. No, I mean, that's Iron all Maiden. stuff I love, yeah. you know. But it was easy, <laughs> but, you know. The glam stuff was definitely happening out of Los Angeles, and we were definitely influenced by that as well. Yeah,
0: that, that seems to be the problem with a lot of bands, or at least a, pro, a problem that a lot of bands had, is that, you know, every couple of years, something like, you know, it, it went from, you know, just traditional heavy metal, then Metallica came out, everything was sped up, and it was speed metal, then it was thrash. Hair metal came in, yep. it took over for a while, and a lot of bands just didn't want to get left behind, and they thought it was better to kind of change with what was going on to stay relevant. And and, and it worked for some of them, and, you know, it was something like Pantera. I mean, they were a hair metal band in the 80s, and all of a sudden, they're this, you know, this heavy, you know, thrash band. I mean, I gotta know it. They flip-flopped, and people didn't even know they existed before that.
4: Yeah, yeah, no question. And you know, you gotta, you gotta, you know, you know, put MTV in the mix with these things too. You know, our label uh, wanted, uh, you know, we got to do videos, we got to do that. I mean, we never did get to that point because the band did break up. But uh, that's the way it was going. And and you know, they wanted you to be a certain way and look a certain way. And uh, you know, it's, I think sometimes doing the album as quickly as we did when we first did it was. Probably not for the best. Had we, you know, had another year or two or three uh, to really get our sound, uh, would have been probably a little better for us and and not be rushed so much. But, uh, um, you know, it is the way it happened. Yeah.
0: See, as the band member saying that, you know, how you felt about your sound and letting it develop, us as fans, you know, we consider that first Lady Killer record to be a classic album. I mean, and people still talk about it till today. Did you realize that there was still like a following or people still talking about the band like 30 years later?
4: Yeah, it's, it's a very strange thing, um, and that's what, Jeremy, you know, we're, we're, you can pretty much buy the record on eBay almost every day. Somebody from around the world has it up on, on the website, uh, and we just kept thinking, well, that's because Joe Jesko did the uh, album cover. And, yeah, and Joe, you know, one of the greatest great uh, fantasy, uh, artists. fantasy artists on, yeah. on the planet. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, when Joe did that album for us, you know, he was a really young guy, really hadn't done a lot of stuff. And, you know, he just exploded. So every time we see that record, we think that, you know, well, the reason for that is because of Joe's art. And Jeremy was very nice in saying that, no, I don't, I don't think you guys are giving yourselves enough credit. But, uh, you know, it's a very raw record. The record was recorded in like a week and a half. We did a lot of it, you know, live uh, as far as the recording was concerned. With very little overdubs at, at, at times. You can absolutely hear that. Um, but sometimes for the worse, sometimes for the better. It was very, uh, long days, very long days, very very long days. You know, playing the same songs over and over and over again. Um, but now, you know, when 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 there's recording being done, it, it's you know, you take the guitars, you do the drums, you do them separately, overlay tracks, and it takes forever. I mean, I have a recording studio here, Pro Media in Times Square, and it's. Difficult for me to get my head around the fact that we have 950 tracks to play with. We recorded that <laughs> like we <can't laughs> launch, so that's, that's, that's we have I was. think we had 24 tracks uh, when we did the record, but I, but but now it's like, oh, God, you're going to give me a 1,000 tracks. We could be here for a long time. So, like I said, good, good and bad to everything, but it's nice of you to say that, that, that people remember that record.
0: A lot of people do. I mean, we play it on the show all the time. People always ask for it. They talk about it. And the thrill that now it'll be easy for them to, you know, get copies of it because it, it never came out on CD. It was a vinyl record back in the day. Now it'll probably be digital and, and CD.
4: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we you know we still actually have the quarter inch mixdown tapes. Uh, they did survive. Uh, but I'm being told, um, you know, in the last year or two that we'd have to bake them and do. And I'm not sure yeah. that studios studio even do that nowadays. Uh, and if there are, there are you know, not, a, not a lot of them. And I've, uh, so, we, we, you know, we've always thought that we would that we reissue it on vinyl, but, uh, you know, uh, Jeremy at Heaven House said, no, you know what, let's do the CD first, see where it goes, and, and see what happens, and maybe we'll get to that. Yeah, very exciting time. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know you're
0: saying that the band was kind of, I guess, in disarray about what direction they wanted to go musically. Did this come about during the recording of the first record before or did this all take place afterwards? Because you were getting ready to record a second record. I don't know when, what year that was. Because uh, that yeah. came out like '83.
4: Yeah, that that was that was recorded. Um, we broke up right in the middle of that album being recorded. So we, we were in. We uh, we brought in, uh, uh, you know, I know when you were talking to uh, Simon Wright, which great interview, by the way. You know, yeah, he played with UFO and MSG, and the guy that we had uh, was doing our producing our second uh, record was uh, Mitch Perry, great guitar player. uh, Played with uh, Talus, UFO, as I said. I think he played with Cher for a while and Faster Pussycat, ton of other bands. Yeah. But he was Leah Ford. Uh, yeah, Leah Ford with for a while, uh, and uh, great, great guitars. Yeah, and and he was he was doing our, our second record. We we played we were touring a little bit with Heaven. You remember Heaven back in the day? They did a uh, yeah. Second on Heaven's Door was they were on MTV a lot. Uh, Mitch actually played he, keyboards in Heaven. Yes, he did. There you go. A lot of people. Yeah. only he played, he played keyboards for Aerosmith too. Everybody remembers Mitch as a great guitar player, but he was he was also a, could absolutely play keyboards. Um, and Mitch was doing the record. And Mitch was flying back and forth from Los Angeles a lot at that time because uh, he was in sessions, and we were trying to you know, get that album done, and, and I guess we were given too much time to be alone with each other <laughs> when, when Mitch left, and, uh, and that's <laughs> what the happened. But we did we did come away with some tracks, which we still have, uh, and we're trying to talk Jeremy into, uh, into releasing.
0: That would be great. I mean, is it in the same vein as the first record, or did those different influences come into play during the recording an album, those songs, that have a different vibe than them?
4: yeah, they definitely have a little different vibe. They're not, it's not as raw, it's a little you know more produced, not not in a bad way, not overly produced, but definitely a little more produced. And uh, you know, we sound more like a band than we did on the first record because it, it's not as rushed. Um, but we'll say, yeah, I mean, we'd love to get that out and, and, and have people just to, just to hear what everybody thinks, get some feedback. Yeah.
0: Was it the same lineup for the second record? Was it all the same members? Because I remember hearing about Joe Zettel. When was he in the band?
4: Yeah, Joe, 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 Joe was in the band, Joe uh, on the stuff that we, we, you know, we, we made uh, release, uh, for the second record. He, he was the singer for that record. So, uh, Joe's a great singer. He's, he's down in Florida. I don't remember the name of the band he's in right now, but, but he's still playing, you know, I don't think Joe ever stopped playing, um, Joe's in it. Uh, the uh, drummer Jeff Fensky for the second record, I believe. Right? Yeah, Terry. Jeff Fensky. Jeff yes. Fensky, fabulous drummer. Uh, again, somebody we haven't spoken to, in... in and, up, and Jeff Stewart. Yeah, yeah. Jeff, Jeff stayed. Jeff stayed with the band at the time. Um, Terry was still the bass player. So, you know, just you know, two two new guys. Um, a little bit of a different, you know, vibe going forward. We had played between the first album and the time we were recording the second record. We probably played you know played a thousand shows. So we were in a totally different place as far as how, you know, we were getting older. The, the first record, I think I was 19, Terry was 18. uh was a long time ago. And, you know, by the time we were doing the second one, you know, a year and a half or two years later, it was, uh, uh, you know, we, we were different players. We were playing better. So, yeah, there, there's definitely a different time. It just matured musically. I think so. It and it Yeah. Do yeah. so you
0: still got the leg warmers and the spandex pants and the leather pants? <laughs> that <it still> fit? <laughs>
1: They're in the
4: drawer. <laughs> <laughs> we have not been in them anymore, and you know it, it's kind of tough to be, a, you know, in your 50s in a band called Lady Killer, but it's fun anyway. <laughs> you, goes, I, like you guys pack. might not
0: realize it, but there are a lot of people out there that still play that one record. I mean, don't give yourselves credit. There are a lot of people that can tell you every song on that record.
4: Is that right? Well, well you know, thanks Lawrence, for the right. fan base.
0: Man. We love those guys, man.
4: Well, maybe we're
0: I know you say where the hell were these people back in 1984? Like, you know, they're here now.
4: We we played to a lot of empty houses. Yeah, that would have been nice if all those guys were there. But uh, yeah, it was. Well, we'll we'll see. Maybe we'll put it all together again and and see how this record does on Heaven and Hell, and if it sells some stuff, and and the new, uh, you know, the material that we didn't release comes out, and people want to see us, you know, then yeah, we'll 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 come see all those people.
0: It would be great. And, you know, there's so many festivals over in Europe that love to fly these classic bands from the 80s over there for the weekend and, and, you know, just perform for them. I mean, you guys would do great like that. I mean, there's not a lot here going on in the U.S. You know, it's hard for any band to follow the club that here. But a lot, they just, they do it randomly. They get together they to rehearse for a couple of days. They they get on a plane. They play. It's like a little mini vacation, you know?
4: Yeah, it sounds nice. And, and who doesn't need a mini vacation at this point in life? But, yeah. No, Absolutely. Yeah, we've been staying in touch with some of that stuff and seeing what's going on. And listen, I, I give you, you you credit, Jeremy, at Heaven and Hell a lot of credit because you guys are the ones that are keeping this all alive and, and bringing a lot of stuff to people that otherwise they, you know, they wouldn't hear.
0: Yeah. Well, we're glad yeah. you guys gave us some music, and I, I can't wait to hear the, you know, the songs that I didn't get to hear from the second record because I never heard them. I'm looking forward to hearing them.
4: Yeah, yeah, it'll it should be fun. You know, well, that's we'll, either going to yeah. be like bonus tracks or maybe hopefully a second album. With yeah. Trying to work on some some cover art, maybe. Yeah. Well, we're trying to get we're trying to get a hold of of Mr. Jesco again uh, to do uh to do the second uh, what was supposed to be the second record and hopefully he can do the, uh, the the art for us. But we'll see. That would be nice.
0: You know, guys, when you were in the studio recording that record and it it kind of fell apart, was it difficult to walk away from at that point? Because metal was probably just getting to be at its peak around 84, 85, and, you know, it was really like the biggest thing in the world musically. Was it hard to kind of just give up on something you put so many years and time into just to walk away from it? Was that difficult? You know what it got?
4: I don't know. Not not right away. Right away, we had been playing so much – Uh, You know, and it became, we we screwed up. We let it become more of a business than it was, you know, we weren't having a lot of fun anymore. Uh, And everybody would say, you know, well, you know, when we do the next contract and everybody's looking a year down the road. uh, And the reason why we started all this, you know, you know, was not to be, you know, to, to write hits. And, you know, we, we really believed in what we were doing early on. Um, But because it happened so, so early for us, you know we I don't think we were given the opportunity to grow up a little bit which we I think we needed to do yeah, as well. Yeah, it was about having fun. Yeah, and and it was, to start. It was about having it, fun and going out there and, yeah. and playing. And it really became a business and, and and not I mean I think everybody realizes that it's a business, you know, now and um but yeah, it You know, we we were ready to walk away when when we did it. And, um, you know, guys like – I say this all the time. You know, guys like, you know, Keith Richards. You know, Keith wasn't in the stone. Keith was, you know, sleeping in the back of some bar in in Mississippi waiting to go do his set. You know, and sometimes, you know, when when you get older and family comes and gets involved and and you have kids and then you got to kind of make that decision. All right, you know, I I think maybe we should try something else. But, uh, um, you know, it'll – well, we still play oh, We still play, yeah I mean, I mean we haven't played shows but We put, we hang out together and we play And we, You know, Joey still writes stuff And, you know, this, this stuff's in the work yep. You never know You yeah. never know yeah. yeah Well, did you guys join
0: any of the bands Or, or do any other things after Lady Killer Or did you just kind of give up a musical altogether?
4: You know, the other guys did uh, The other guys played I think late, there was another version or two of Lady Killer, I think Um I don't know how long those guys K- were, were. KK went into a band. Uh, it was yeah. a comeback. Uh, uh, Kevin played with Kevin uh, uh, on the album. It was KK Burns. He he went into a band called Armed Forces. Armed Forces, that's who it was uh, Which played a lot. Uh, they did the Lamore Circuit and all that stuff here in Brooklyn and Manhattan and out in Jersey. Um, and the other guy. Armed not, Forces. He, he was
0: he was Scott Knight in Armed Forces. Is that right? <laughs> Do you know your yeah. stuff? He's you know, Scott uh, Knight in forces. He changed his name, but they never they never played live. They put the record out, and they kicked him out of the bin. He got me on Facebook at one time after I had an interview with the band that he was telling me. He has so many different names. Like you lose track sometimes. I didn't even realize that that was the same guy.
4: Is that right? That's probably why we can't find him because, you know, after talking to Jeremy, I said, well, let me let me get Kevin You and know, try to find him. And he'd, he'd talk about difficult dude to find. Uh, I guess
0: I'll, I'll send you his uh, info on Facebook. He was under some oh, crazy yeah. name, but I think he had to change it again because of, you know, Facebook's <laughs> making people change their names or whatever. But I'll dig <laughs> it up and I'll find that for you and I'll get it <laughs> to you. Well, he we're gonna, got I, I can't God, believe I never right. put the two together.
4: There you go. That's the guy. Yeah. Unbelievable that you know that. That's very cool. Yeah, that's I, I couldn't
0: tell you when my kids were born, but I could tell you useless <laughs> shit from like 30 years ago. Yeah,
4: well, that's what makes that's that's why the show's a good show, because you, you have priorities, man. You have priorities.
3: That's, Absolutely.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you
0: know what? I'm not going to keep you guys. I'm going to play a couple of tunes. I'm going to wrap up today's show. Uh, but Uh-oh. I'm really excited that this record is coming out on, on Heaven and Hell Records. And I hope you guys yeah. do put something back together. Even if you play randomly here and there, it would be so cool to see you guys live again after all these years. It would be amazing.
4: Uh, well, that's really great. Like, we really appreciate you having us on the show. And thanks. Man. You know what? When the thing comes, when the record comes back out, and maybe the new stuff comes back out, we, we'd love to come back on and talk to you.
3: Yeah, hey, anytime.
4: Yeah.
0: You, got, you got it. And Joey, Tabby, I that's, appreciate uh, it, man. Have a great day, guys. Shout out Take to our me. Okay, man. Bye-bye. Thank
4: you. Got Bye.
0: it. <laughs> <Take care. laughs> All right. I can't believe that Scott Knight is KK Barnes. How did I not put that together? I don't know. I tell you. All right, let's get to some Lady Killer. Let's start with the title track, Lady Killer. You got me running. Keep your eye out on the Heaven and Hells record website on the Facebook page. It's coming out real soon. You're not going to want to miss it, especially with all those great bonus tracks or maybe the whole second record that you're going to get. I have to apologize to the guys from Lady Killer. I I thought KK was Scott Knight, but Scott Knight was the original singer that never performed with the band live. They kicked him out. KK came in, uh, Kevin Burns, and he recorded that demo with the group. So uh, I'm going to reach out to Steve Tetro, the bass player for the band. Uh, and uh, see if he has any information on Kevin. I'll, I'll forward it to the guys from Lady Killer. It would be amazing to see those guys perform live after all these years. I tell you, it's good to be alive still, huh? <laughs> all right. Let me see. Who do we have on the show next week? All uh, oh, the guys from Hell of Eight will be on here. I forgot about them. And uh, Randy Davis. I know uh, my boy Iman wanted to get Rath Skeller on the show. They're here. Uh, who else we have? Uh, week after We got Don Dottie. Uh, the original Dark Angel thing, He's got his band Eliminate now with my boy Joe Cangelosi, Joe Cangelosi from Whiplash. We have them on the show, and uh, I think we have one other guest lined up and nobody else. We're trying to keep it light for August because there won't be a show the last week of the month. I'll be away on vacation. I think we'll just concentrate on the music before we pick things up again in the fall. You know, August is kind of a dead month for internet radio. A lot of people are out on vacation and having a good time. They usually catch the podcast more than the, the live program, so we'll kind of keep it light for the month. All right, how about some boss? Hard and fast. Sounds like my wife at (laughs) night. They got a winner, their Hellstar, Bloodlust off the new record, Vampiro. The band is actually going to be playing in Brooklyn, I want to say, uh, the second week of August. Uh, I'll get the day for you next week for sure. Uh, playing with Omen. We just had Kenny Powell from the show on. The War of the Rose, or I should say the War of the Texans still continues between George Cole, <laughs> anything Omen, or Kevin Gucci. <laughs> it just, I mean, I'm laughing at it uh you because, know, you know, I'm on the outside, but it's just I never seen anything like this before. With the with the name calling and the back and forth and the tearing each other apart. Well I, I really shouldn't say that about the Omen guys or uh, cause they really, you know, kept low-key about it. You know, you know, but uh man, George is on a tear with them. You talk about being bitter after a breakup. That was a long time ago. Holy shit. All right. If you have any of them on Facebook, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, let me see what we can do for everybody right now. We got uh, 10 minutes left in the show, so we'll do one one or two more tunes. We'll wrap it up. You know, the guys in Lady Kill were talking about Twist Assisted. D Schneider has his uh, new solo record coming out called We Are the Ones. And the way they describe it is modern energy. Anytime you hear the word modern, Mixed in with the classical guy. It's like D. Schneider is just trying to be relevant. So uh, I won't say anything until I hear the album. They actually did a remake of We're Not Gonna Take Us. That was bad enough for me, having to hear that song again. And <laughs> it's an acoustic version. But I'll wait till I hear at least one song off the record before I say anything about it. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, the Last In Line, they're over in Europe right now. I don't know who's playing bass of the band right now, but, you know, that whole thing was that we're the original, you know, Dio band. And now, you know, I mean, Ronnie's gone, so they're not, the, you know, but to have Andrew Freeman sing with them, I believe. I don't even know who the hell sing with them to be honest with you now. Uh but they had you know Jimmy Bain passed away. Somebody filled in on bass. Now they're going out. So now there's only two members of the original Dio band playing. And they're still ripping apart the Dio disciples, which you know is a band we had on early with Simon Wright. Uh you know what? In this day and age it's all good. You you like it, you go see it. You don't like it, you don't have to go you don't need to rip and tear everything apart. That's just not necessary today. All right, let's get on some running wild Adrian Running Wild have a new record. It looks like they kind of reverted back to the pirate theme. Uh, I'll check into that more, and we'll get a song on off it next week for you guys. But let's go back to the early days. Thank all our guests tonight, Joey and Terry from Lady Killer and Simon Wright from Dio Disciples. I want to thank everybody for listening, like always. I will see you guys next week at the same time, six o'clock on Sunday. You guys have a great work week. Let's wrap it up with a little Desolation Angels, Evil Possession I'll see you guys next week. Take care, everybody.